Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn State Health. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. Daniel Gallen here with me. Bringing you up to speed on the latest in Penn State football and the channel, my inner inner uh, Allen Iverson, Daniel. This we're not talking about games, not games, not games. We're talking about a lot of practice and workouts this week. Looking at two different things: uh, NFL Combine, which as we sit here today kicks off uh, with Jahan Dotson, his, his workouts, which, which will be fascinating. We obviously can't re- review that, but uh, looking ahead through the weekend at the Combine and then just looking back at what we can glean from the Penn State coaching staff as far as recognizing uh, winter workout standouts and what that actually means. So I think sometimes you can do a little reading between the lines, and I'll, I'll turn to you on that one, Daniel. But first, looking at the combine, I know you know by the time people are listening to this, it'll probably be too late for Jahan Dawson. But what, what do you think we need to see from Jahan in, in terms of solidifying a first-round opportunity? Yeah, I think the big thing for Dotson is to run in the four threes. I think during his time at Penn State, he ran four three three in the forty. Um, Daniel Jeremiah said that they're expecting that NFL teams are expecting him to run in the four threes uh, in Indianapolis. Jeremiah said that the one thing that kind of keeps him from being in that top half of the first round uh, is his size, which five eleven one eighty four um, is what he was listed at last year, and you know he can't Dotson can't change that. Um, maybe he can weigh in closer to 190, depending on what kind of workouts he's done, um, what kind of training he's done. But I think he kind of said it yesterday. I was reading, I was, I re-listened to his, uh, media session and, uh, someone asked him about his size and if he had any concerns about it. And he was just sort of like, well, like, this is what I have and this is what I've done with it already. So I'm going to keep doing that, which I think is kind of the, the good way to handle that. So I think that's the big thing for him is just to kind of like put the numbers, the times down that that these teams and evaluators know or think that he's capable of. I think that that's kind of what will solidify him. And then in the drills on the field, just catch everything, which I think over his time at Penn State, uh, he normally did. So I think that's kind of where where it stands for, for Dotson now. I think that his body of work is definitely puts him in that, I think, 20 to 35 range is kind of where I've pegged him. First of all, if somebody asked Jahan Dawson if he was concerned about his size and he would have said, oh, yeah, I'm very concerned about it. That would have been a more newsy, newsy headline in my eyes than, than anything. The other thing I would say about him is that I'm sure during interview portions, he's going to be a standout because he sounds like a coach now. He doesn't sound like he's 22 or whatever. He sounds like he's 35. And I think there's going to be, you know, a team that really is um, caught by that. You know, the 20 to 35, that's a pretty good, it's a very broad range when you're talking about first round into, into second round. But I think uh, it's just going to take one team to really love. And there's a lot to love. Hands, uh, route running, speed, quickness, and I think just intelligence and maturity. And I think th- there could be a team that is just, that, that's the deal maker is, is how mature and intelligent he is behind the scenes. 
Yeah, definitely. I was searching through Twitter yesterday uh, while Dotson was talking and someone remarked on the fact that he was just all business at the podium, that they didn't think they saw him smile the whole time he was up there. And I think that kind of lines up with his personality where, you know, he's there to work. He's there to do the combine to the best of his ability. Um, and I think that that's something that the NFL teams will kind of like to see. I mean, obviously, we saw it a couple of times. Like, he does have a good personality. He's very congenial, I think, uh, is kind of the impression that I got. And he's someone who's able to kind of walk that line between being all business but not being kind of boring about it. Like, he still actually says things. He's still actually an interesting interview, despite the fact that he's very singularly focused. So I think that he's someone who's going to have a really good combine, both on and off. He'll be out there. He'll be... I think a very watched prospect um, and this is a, a deep wide receiver class. And kind of like you said, it just takes one, um, just one team to like what he does and figure out that he can complement what they want to do with their system. And then he has an NFL home. On Friday, Rashid Walker, I'm not sure what we'll see from him, but uh, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, if he's become kind of an enigmatic prospect. You know, not quite not quite sure what to expect from him, despite the fact that he's been a three-year starter at Penn State. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he came back last year, and I think that he could have gone to the draft um, in 2021 and probably could have been uh, picked on the on day two, um, depending on how he tested and did the pre-draft process. Yeah, I mean, it was very up and down. I wrote about it on PennLive.com, kind of what Daniel Jeremiah had to say about the Michigan game. Obviously, the thing that you remember from that game is Sean Clifford getting hit a lot. And Rasheed Walker and Caden Wallace were kind of the a big reason for that, going up against Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, um, both of whom were going to be picked in the probably the top half of the first round. I mean, Hutchinson's in the number one conversation. So I think that Walker will have an, an interesting, interesting pre-draft process. I mean, I think the big thing for him right now is probably getting healthy and kind of being able to uh, I guess, discuss his play and kind of do the work behind the scenes um, with some of these teams um, so they can get a sense of the, the physical tools and the on-field production and kind of the shakiness and, you know, whether or not he was playing through something um, in that Michigan game because that's the last time we saw him um, and, and, and things like that. I think that um, the, the behind-the-scenes interviews for Walker will probably be pretty interesting, but that's obviously things that we'll, we'll never be privy to. How about Saturday where you get the linebackers and edge guys? And, and I think, you know, maybe more variables with this group from Penn State, looking at Jesse Lucetta, Arnold Epicati, and Brandon Smith all getting their chance to perform. And I think, you know, Brandon Smith, if he blows people away, there's going to be a team or two that forgets about sort of that inconsistent play that we've seen. Not forget, but, but to minimize it because you can dream upon what Brandon Smith can do. And Ebiketti, I mean, he's looking to establish himself as a potential first-rounder, too. And I think what he's able to do in that setting, how he measures and, and all that, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on him. And then Jesse Lucchetta, I think, you know, I, I would expect as you're following along with the broadcast of this, you're going to see a, a lot of conversation about him being one of the more interesting prospects in this whole thing. Yeah, I think Saturday is the, the biggest day for Penn State fans to, to keep an eye on. I think that's where... I guess the most fireworks could happen. Obviously, Brandon Smith is in position to truly do some things um, in the testing environment to really kind of, uh, I think, make him the type of prospect that, you know, a team maybe at the end of the second round, maybe beginning of the third round, if 
they have a need at linebacker and they have the, the type of defensive coach who thinks that they can really make this work. I mean, the inconsistency, obviously NFL teams are going to look at that and they're going to try to square it a little bit. But, I mean, they think that they can coach these guys up. I mean, that's why they're bringing them in. Um, they're betting on the potential, not the past production. And I think that's something that obviously you have to remember. Um, also with Rasheed Walker, where NFL teams, obviously it, everything's a data point, but they're not drafting Rasheed Walker based on uh, November Saturday in State College. They're drafting him on what they think he can do at, I don't know, like SoFi Stadium. I have a I have a poster of the NFL stadiums on my wall over here. Um at the Refer link to at, it Sol- right now. at Soldier yeah. Field. Like, you know, that's what they're thinking about, what he can do there. But for those defensive uh, linemen and linebackers on Saturday, like huge day. Ebiketti, Mel Kuyper seems to really like Ebiketti. Other analysts uh don't really seem to as much, or they don't have him in that first round conversation. I think Luketta can really find a home uh on day two with his testing. And then Brandon Smith is, is the wild card. I think there was one mock draft that had him as a third round, as a pick at the end of the third round. And depending on how he tests, I mean, end of the second rounds could, or even middle of the second round, top of the second rounds. You could, you could see that. Yeah. A lot, a lot of scenarios in play for him because, you know, I, I think there is not arrogance, but there's, there's a lot of self confidence from coaching staffs that they can bring out the best in, in a guy like this. And I think the question with Brandon Smith is, Okay, I don't know if he's demonstrated, like, premium instincts on film. Okay, so what do you do with that then? You know, you can you can try to bring those along, or you can try to just say, okay, he, he's maybe not going to be the best read and react linebacker. Maybe maybe we use him in a way where he's he's more aggressive and, and he's coming off the edge or something like that. I mean, the, his physical testing should be impressive enough that teams should be able to Look at him and say, okay, he can do a lot of different things. If, if that's not his, his thing, if that's not something that we can bring along, then we can find a role for him. And I think he could probably play that role. Obviously they, with NFL teams, you kind of have to walk the line between drafting exclusively for fit, um, or need versus kind of taking that, that best player available. And it wouldn't surprise me if after Brandon Smith gets picked, uh, a GM is, is at the podium talking about that selection and they say that. Yeah, he was the best player on our board. We'll bring him in. He's got the tools. We're going to make it work. Um, I kind of think that that's how uh, Smith will enter the NFL. The one mock draft I saw had him go into the Ravens, uh, which just seems like almost like a no-brainer based on their track record of kind of developing some of these guys. Some of the linebackers they've picked recently haven't exactly taken that leap. I mean, I think they got Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Um, in the second round a couple of years ago, second or third round. Um, and he's kind of been stuck in, in neutral, but that's one of those things where you look at kind of the, the reputation and the track record and you're like, Oh yeah, this, this makes sense. So I think that Smith will be one of those guys that kind of fits that, that best player available mold. And I think, you know, a place like that will be a best case for him as an individual to get the kind of support and the coaching and the, and the history of success of developing guys like him. That would be a great fit uh, on Sunday, Jaquan Brisker, three caster fields and, and Jordan Stout looking for Jordan Stout to run at least a four one forty, right? Daniel. I mean, I, <laughs> I just, I, it, it, I don't know. Just something about punters um, testing just is, is funny to me, but for him, uh, all jokes aside is that, you know, he's vying for a draft pick. Not a, we're going to sign him after the draft. And there are probably some things, you know, I think the more athleticism he can demonstrate, 
the more teams are just going to like what what he can do, and they're they're going to view him as a potential weapon. You see his leg, you see the production, you see him um, as, as a punter and what he's been able to do. If he looks like you know and walks and talks like an NFL player, I mean, I I think that's going to have a team or two. You know, especially in this day of analytics, I'm sure there's something that suggests a weaponized punter can can do some things. Uh, I think somebody's going to draft this kid. Yeah, definitely. I think that he it'll be really, really interesting to see where he goes. Um, obviously, there's a couple different schools of thought on where and when to get your punter. Um, a lot of people you wait for and go pick through the undrafted free agents. Um, but I think that we saw. I mean, Penn State showed it this year, kind of the value of having a good punter who can pin people back. I mean, Penn State doesn't win um, the Wisconsin game without Stout. There's a chance they win the Iowa game if Iowa's punter doesn't have the game of his life. Like, obviously, playing for field position and whatever. I mean, it's not fun. Like, that's not the fun way to watch the game. It's not the fun way to strategize the game. It's not the fun way. It's probably not even a fun way to play the game unless you're the punter. But I think Stout kind of Penn State just got into so many of those field position battles this year. And Stout was someone who could bail them out sometimes, or he was someone who could kind of put the pressure back on the other team. So I think that that's something that uh, NFL teams will like. I'm going to have to go through ahead of the draft and kind of see where the, the highest punters have been, have been taken recently. I remember a couple of years ago, the Packers drafted J.K. Scott from Alabama in like the fifth round. And he did not last. Um, I think he lost the job uh, this spring after only like two or three years. So it's one of the more transient positions um, in the NFL. And I think that if you can get that draft pick, that gives you a little bit more security. So I think it's a, you know, it's a big weekend for Stout. And obviously there's a difference between fifth, sixth round money and undrafted free agent money. What's Tariq Castro Fields um, angling for here? Like, what, what's the best case from what you've seen from mock drafts and things like that? Like, mid-third round, early third round? I mean, best case scenario is I saw a mock draft, a three-round mock that had him going in the second round. Um, and that was that was the one where I was like, whoa. Like, when I talked to Daniel Jeremiah last week on that conference call, he talks about Rashid being kind of a, a wild card player, uh, Rashid Walker, and kind of the – the range of options. And I think Brandon Smith is in that category too, um, in terms of their NFL potential. But I think in terms of draft position, I think Castro Fields is the biggest wild card. Um, and Bob and I were kind of talking about this earlier this week where he plays, a, he has the good size. He was solid during his career at Penn State and he plays a position where it's a big position of need, uh, for a lot of teams based on how, uh, NFL offenses are now. It's a position where you can play a lot of guys at the same time uh, with rotating through different packages. Um, it's a position where the guys on the bottom of the depth chart are key special teamers. So it would not be a surprise uh, for me if we see if we see Tariq Castro Fields. Like I personally see him as fourth round. I think that that's where he'll end up going. Um, if he sneaks on to day two, you know, personally I would be surprised, but I'll be ready for it. You know based on kind of what we saw from him and whatnot. So yeah, Castro Fields is the the biggest wild card, I think, from the draft position standpoint, not necessarily what he'll do when he gets there, but just kind of how he gets there. I think that'll surprise a lot of people. 
Yeah, when it comes down to it, you know, it's hard to find a guy who, who's as long as he is, who moves as well as he does. And you can nitpick the finer points and you can say that, okay, he needs to show this in press coverage. He needs to get stronger. He needs to be, you know, prove his health a little bit more. He needs to show that he can, you know, turn and run with guys. That's all fair stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, if you get a guy who, who's six foot, six one and 185 pounds who moves pretty well, like that is a desirable commodity at that position. How about Jaquan Brisker real quick? Just, uh, you know, you see on film, it's like, you know, Brandon Smith, you don't see a lot of instincts on film. You see with Brisker, you know, the instincts and the leadership and he's just, he's a gamer. And I think his physical tools really are, are there too. But I think for him, I mean, just to show that, just to show without any shadow of doubt, that he's got NFL tools. You know, I don't know that he needs to run the fastest 40 time or whatever, but uh, I think he just needs to show support what, what teams see on film. Yeah. Brisker is someone, another one of those guys who falls into the health category where obviously he was playing through something last year. Um, and we'll see kind of where he is and what he's able to do. But I said the same thing to Bob and it's kind of weird where I think Brisker's physical tools and his ability as a player are almost underrated at this point because he was known so much at Penn State for his intangibles and for those instincts. And I think that his his ability to be in the right place at the right time. And a lot of times when you talk about players like that, it's in the context of overcompensating for a deficiency. Like, oh, they're they're learning how, you know, they're not the fastest, so they're making sure that they're in the right spot at the right time. But I think that Brisker is someone who has those physical tools. And I think that he might be kind of a a surprise in how well he tests just because everything last year was about Brisker's the glue of this defense. Brisker's a gamer. Brisker's playing through something. Brisker's doing this. Brisker's doing that. Um, And I think that it kind of underrated his his natural physical gifts a little bit. Um, And so I think that this is a, a prime opportunity, this and Pro Day later this month, where he can kind of show that yeah, I've got these intangibles. I'm going to be keep things together on the back end, end of your defense. But by the way, I'm really good. <laughs> like I'm an athlete. I can, I can make things happen. I can compete with the best guys at the position. So that's kind of something that I've been thinking about a little bit the past couple of days where, you know, I think that Brisker made a lot of plays. We wrote a lot about the plays that he made, but with someone like Brandon Smith, uh, someone like Rashid Walker, it's all about physical ability. Um, potential, but I think Brisker has a lot more of that than maybe we give him credit for. And, and he's, that's a good spot to be in because, uh, there, I, I don't know if you go into it with these crazy expectations for what he's going to do and then he can fall short of those expectations. Uh, I think if he turns some heads on the physical front there and runs, you know, whatever uh, a fast 40 time, you know, that's going to give him leeway to be like, okay, I mean, this, this, okay, this guy's better than we, we thought he was going to be. And that's, a, I mean, there's a lot of guys, like, I don't know if Jahan Dotson has that opportunity. You know, Jahan Dotson, like, if he runs in the 4-4s, four it's like, okay, that's it. Like, I, I don't know if Brisker really faces the same pressure and there's an opportunity to kind of be a pleasant surprise out there. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. 
Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Moving on, I, I think, to um, current guys, winter workouts. So the, they all have this thing, and you you created a really nice spreadsheet to try to track, okay, who's being shouted out? First of all, why don't you give me the the three or four or five, whatever, the number of names of guys who either appeared in those shout-outs a couple times, and I want to know your method for – trying to read between the lines and figure out, okay, does this mean something or does it not mean something? Yeah. So I guess to start with that second part about what this actually means before we kind of get into it, you know, for our listeners who, who aren't on Twitter uh, at all times uh, every day, which respect after every uh, winter workout, the Penn state position coaches this is twice a week. They shout out a player from their position group. Um, as kind of the, the standout from the day the, I think that some of them refer to them as like competitor of the day, something like that. And it's something where it's like, okay, who knows what this actually means? But I think the one thing that we've learned from watching James Franklin run a program for the past eight years is that there's a reason why, um, all of this stuff is being put out there. There's, you know, nothing is done unintentionally. So whether that's to motivate other players at the position, whether that's to kind of maybe reward someone who's been behind the scenes and maybe hasn't done much on the field or doesn't get that much publicity, um, I think that it's kind of somewhere in between um, on that spectrum. So that's kind of where I'm operating at it from is that, all right, this is another data point in kind of these guys' careers so that this fall when maybe someone has a breakout game, someone's at the top of the depth chart that we weren't expecting. We can look back at February and be like, Oh, okay. He was getting a lot of, he was getting a lot of pub, a lot of credit from his, his position coach. The four guys who I think have, have appeared the most, I think Theo Johnson at tight end, uh, Kevon Lee at running back. I think he had it the first three sessions, Kalen King at cornerback. And then for the special teams group, uh, Jake Pinneger. Um, has gotten the shout out from Stacey Collins a couple times. So those are the four that I think stand out in terms of they're in position groups where there's a lot of guys. It's kind of unsettled as to what the pecking order might necessarily be, uh, there. So those are the four, um, I guess returners that, that stand out to me. You know, I, I think the, the credit there, it, it, it's not to say that, um, you know, it, it can be an attitude thing. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean, Hey, this guy's made the most gains. It's, it's, the, this guy's given the most competitive, um, you know, attitude, but all four of those guys you mentioned are ones that you circle as, as being, okay, next step. What is it? Kevon Lee, are you going to hold off Nick Singleton? You know, or are you, are you going to earn the coaching staff's, uh, trust fully to be maybe a starter and carry that kind of workload. Theo Johnson, are you the, are you the number one tight end next year? You know, I think you, you can look at the second half of the year and be like, okay, I, I think that's what he was. Kalen King, you saw him really come on in the second half of the season. You know, I think it's safe to say that a, a big winter and a big spring can not just propel him into the starting lineup, but maybe propel him into stardom, you know, and, and I think that that's what you're w- watching for there. And then Jake Pinneger, obviously not getting a chance to kick, Last year, now he's back in position as the guy. He's back on campus. He didn't transfer out or anything like that. So now he's here. And 
what gains are you making in the winter and spring and how's that going to translate? I'm, I'm much more with, with Pinnegar, I'm much more concerned about seeing him kick a football than I am whatever he's doing in the weight room. But still, I mean, the, in all four cases, I do take these as pretty positive indicators that guys who need to take another step forward are on their way to taking that step. Definitely. I think that's a good way to kind of in, interpret what we're seeing. Um, and then the other interesting part of it is you've got nine early enrollees, uh, plus, uh, Mitch Tin- Mitchell Tinsley, uh, the Western Kentucky wide receiver transfer. And it's kind of like, all right, when are these early enrollees going to pop up? When are the freshmen going to pop up? And the first one we saw was defensive tackle Zane Durant. Um, and he was up twice, uh, before any other freshman, which obviously with what was coming in, uh, in terms of the early enrollee class, uh, Durant was probably one of, in terms of prominence, you know, he was closer to the bottom of the list. I mean, He's not a five-star uh, quarterback or a five-star running back from in-state. I mean, obviously, that's just kind of how it works out. But he plays a position, the defensive line, where uh, Penn State needs guys to step up. And they, they're looking for depth there. I mean, P.J. Mustafer coming back is big, but you're losing Luketa, You're losing Ebiketti. Um, There's a lot of kind of unproven prospects there. So Durant really has a prime opportunity to kind of – maybe if it's not this year – um, obviously with defensive linemen and offensive linemen, you kind of project maybe two years down the road, um, because of the, the physical nature of it. But the fact that he got on campus early and he's making this kind of impression, it, it really kind of takes your attention. Um, you know, he's on the smaller side. He's, he's six one. Um, he's listed at 260, but he's regarded as a really good athlete. His stat line from his final year at Lake Nona High School in Florida was, was a lot of fun. I think it was like 28 tackles for loss, you know, 15 sacks, just kind of video game numbers um, at the high school level, which is what you want to see um, from a prospect that you're bringing in at that level. So uh, Zane Durant, I mean, maybe not the, the top of Penn State fans' list when you think about the early enrollees, but he's making some hay. He should be making his way, not to the top of the list, but making his way up the list. Let's put it that way, because they, they've compared him to Kevin Givens. And I made the case earlier this week that he's a step ahead of Kevin Givens because they know what he is right now. It didn't take them six months or a year to diagnose uh, what that player is going to be. Kevin Givens was either a linebacker or a defensive end who ended up being a tackle. Zane Durant's starting there. And he's starting there with that plan in the weight room. He, he's he's going to have that chance to go from 260 to 280 or 285 pretty quickly. And I think one thing that stands out, and it's not I, – I don't know, you know, much about the rest of the defensive players in the class from this standpoint, but Zane Durant and uh, Denied Dennis Sutton are both tremendously mature and take a very professional approach to their own development. Like it means a lot to them and they're very diligent about it. And I think what we have seen from him getting shout outs this winter is that just confirmation that, you know, if if he's not going to get to his true potential as a player, it is not going to be for lack of effort. No, most certainly. I think that Durant is, you know, one of these guys where it's kind of like a, a blank slate almost with kind of in terms of the athleticism is there. Um, and that's kind of what you're using as, as the building block. So we'll see, uh, what he, what he does coming in forward. Um, Jahan Dotson's, uh, combine measurements, uh, just came in. Um, he weighed in at 178 pounds, uh, which is an interesting, interesting little thing. Uh, five, ten and a half. Nine and a half inch hands, 30 and three quarter inch arms and a 74 inch wingspan. 
I'm going to wait for uh, mockdraftable.com to make the spider chart before I can put that into context. But um, that's kind of a interesting uh, thing. But back to the workouts with the the early enrollees, Bo Perula, Nick Singleton uh, also got their shout outs. And obviously Singleton, the five star from Governor Mifflin, everyone's really, really excited about him. And I think a lot of people were waiting to kind of see um, where he'd pop up in these winter workouts. Um, and then Prabula, uh, is, you know, he faces an, an interesting kind of situation coming in with Drew Aller, uh, with Christian Veyu and Sean Clifford back in front of him. But obviously that's what you want to see early from, from a freshman. You want to see him getting his feet under him. And, um, this is a big spring, uh, for both him and Aller. And I think for Drew Aller, it's going to take something extraordinary because a lot of times with five star, especially quarterbacks, you don't really want to give the appearance of preferential treatment or you don't, you're not, you're not concerned about building up Drew Aller. Put it that way. You're not concerned about a tweet being the difference between how he feels or not. And I think sometimes as, as a five-star quarterback, you know, you're, you're just not really going to get, doesn't mean he's not working hard. I just think that he's not really going to get shout outs like this uh, for those types of reasons. A few more, uh, Quick dates looking ahead to the rest of the spring. What are we looking forward to over the next, you know, first of all, three weeks or so? And then also just worth reminding, um, uh, Blue White game is April 23rd. Thursday later today, uh, we're going to, we're going over to Huluba Hall to see the, the weight room max out session. Um, we'll get the chance to start to, to talk to Chuck Losey, um, for the first time, Penn State's new strength coach taking over for Dwight Galt. Um, who did it forever and was regarded as one of the best. That'll be a good opportunity to see some of these guys in person again and just kind of see something. Um, cause we've been in, in the doldrums, uh, for, for a little bit here. Um, spring ball starts March 21st. So that's less than three weeks away. And then pro day is three weeks from today. So stuff is kind of, it's starting to happen. Um, like you said, blue white game is April 23rd pretty soon. Um, you know, February was long. Uh, kind of boring, uh, not that fun, but we're going to be really in it uh, now over the next couple of weeks. If you really want to be in it, you got to follow Daniel on Twitter at Daniel <laughs> JT Gallon. How's that for a segue? Uh, because great. honestly, you know, late, latest stuff, latest articles, visits, offers. I mean, a lot of that stuff is on Daniel's Twitter feed. So check him out there. Uh, we're on penlive.com slash Penn State football for, you know, words and other podcasts. And you can also download the Blue White Breakdown on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube as well. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Blue White Breakdown, and we will see you next time. This is the Blue White Breakdown.